0: Welcome to the Periscope, the show where we take a closer look at crowdfunding projects. Join us as we talk with guests about why you should back their future board games today. You're your host. Welcome to another episode of the Periscope, the show where we take a closer look at crowdfunding games. My name is Josh, and with me I have two fabulous and beautiful guests. Yes, I will call them beautiful, even though I can't see one of them, right Martin?
1: Yeah. It's the <laughs> can't, can't see Ian. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, we have Martin Van Russen back here on the podcast. Martin, how you been?
1: Hi, Josh. Thanks for having us. Um, uh, I've been great. We've just launched a campaign. So that's always very exciting. And uh, glad you wanted to have us over to uh, talk about it.
0: Yeah, we're here to talk about Arctic Roll, which we have the designer here as well, Ian. Ian, how the heck are you doing? Welcome to the show
2: yeah i am good and uh I, I must say the first time i met martin it, you know beautiful were the were, were, you know his beautiful blue eyes were the, <laughs> the thing that sort of came to mind <laughs> it's funny i i like to like i always
0: like to throw out that word beautiful to like my friends especially like my male friends <laughs> like i like, what's up you beautiful bastard and they just don't know how to respond sometimes that makes me i like i guess i thrive and sometimes i'm making people uncomfortable with my presence <laughs> but that's okay cause this is just a camera show but yeah we're here to talk about arctic roll which is your rolling rhino's newest kickstarter project that just launched this recording around you know last week or so and I'm excited. I really like this $5 print-and-play movement that's going on. But we're going to get more into the questions about what this is and why people should back it here soon. But can you guys just give me a brief synopsis? What is Rolling Rhino Studios and what is Arctic Roll? You guys can choose whoever wants to respond to those.
1: Yeah, so previously with Rolling Rhino Games, we've done a few campaigns. Uh, all of those games were designed by me and then put them out by myself, uh, of course, uh, with a with team and with help. Uh, with an artist Um, and this is the first game which is designed by someone else and where I took on the role of developing and then uh, publishing. So um, uh, it's uh, Ian's design and then uh, we worked uh, together on it, on developing it and bringing it to Kickstarter. So also um, something new for me. Also a completely different game as what we've done uh, previously. Um, uh, I'll let Ian talk a bit more about uh, the idea behind the Arctic rule and what makes it so special. Um, but yeah, for us, it's also just an, uh, an experimentation, just with a new... Uh, bringing on another designer and also collaborating uh, with another company, with Roll Games. We, we can discuss that later. But just trying on some different things uh, within this print-and-play world, which is just growing and
0: growing. Absolutely. And so, Ian... What, this is Arctic yeah. War. What is it?
2: Um, I guess the idea came from um, very many years ago. Someone threw some dice out in front of me and said, how many polar bears around how many holes? Um, <laughs> and basically it was one of these things where you roll a handful of dice and gradually everyone sort of try to work out the puzzle and gradually more and more people work it out and you sort of keep on rolling the dice. And eventually you find out that the central pips on the dice are the holes, and the pips around the outside are the polar bears. And so when I came to work on a, on a, a, um, on a, on a roll and right, decided I wanted to try and design a roll and right, I already had that in mind. That was going to be the basic mechanic. Um, and then the, the name Arctic Roll, well, I don't know whether you even had Vianetta in, in, in the States. Arctic <laughs> Roll was an 80s ice cream dessert um, that I think is only really uh, the Antipodeans, you know, New Zealand, Australia. I think they had them. We certainly had it in the UK. But basically, it was ice cream wrapped in low budget, low budget sponge. <laughs> so that's where the name comes from. But it, obviously, when you when you have a theme of polar bears around ice holes, that's you know, it was a nice a chance for a nice pun, and I'm never one to give up on the chance for a nice pun. <laughs> and, and and then you know, in terms of the actual game itself. I sort of coined the, the name an area control and right okay. um, because what we're able to do is basically all the players are playing on a single sheet of paper. We do have a solar mode, but I think the game really shines when we're actually competing for resources and competing for space as as we're leading tribes out across the uh, the frozen tundra or the icy wastes, digging ice holes so that we can fish and leaving hunters behind and obviously blocking off areas and blocking off territories. Um, that aren't available to our opponents. Yeah.
1: I think having so much interaction is, that's just what really makes uh, Arctic War very different. A lot of roll and rides focused on your own little puzzle, which is great. And this one is very different. So there's a lot of um, interaction in in the central area, which everyone can mess up each other's plans.
0: Yeah. It's a really cool mechanism how the dice, like the the way the dice are actually like arranged on the, 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 like the, the actual dice, like the the holes, plays into the game. As a, I, I have never seen that before. How has the response been to playtesters or people who've tried the game?
2: Um, I guess it's quite it's pretty intuitive. I mean, I think that's that's the mark of a great mechanic, isn't it? When you don't have to keep on explaining it. Once you know, occasionally the the questions are, well, am I able to rotate, you know, rotate the dice? Um, do they have to be symmetrical? But once people have sort of understood, essentially, you're painting a picture of the dice face onto the map actually people just get yeah. it
1: and for me it was also uh like one of the reasons i i wanted uh, arctic roll in our catalog because uh i mean there are uh, more uh pros to the game like for instance the, the drafting is great but it's you could argue it's not as as unique there are many games who have similar drafting uh but this dice placement is something that's really uh unique and different and i think every game needs at least some sort of twist even though there are a lot of uh, things that uh, that are uh, found in other games, um, so that's necessary. And uh, Arctic Roll uh, has it.
0: So what what can what is all involved in this campaign? Is it just Arctic Roll, or are you are you giving away other things as well? Stretch goals. Can you explain a little bit about what listeners can expect if they visit your page?
1: So uh, we'll have a few uh, stretch goals uh, if the campaign uh, keeps on uh, performing as as well as we uh, as it's currently uh, been going. Uh, we hope to hit all of those uh, stretch goals, um, which would be, basically be extra maps, more material. Um, and uh, as we mentioned, the system can be just, it can just be many more maps and lots of replayability uh, will be added in that way. Um, we also have some add ons, which are our previous games from Rolling Rhino Games. And we will also offer add ons from Roar Games, which is also a, a company publishing print and play games um and i really like working with them uh, we've been helping each other out with uh, several things and we just decided uh, let's see what what it does when we um also put our own uh, games into the add-ons of the of the other company basically so our games will also be available in, during their campaigns also because i get a lot of questions uh, when we're not running a campaign like where can i get the game can i get the game please um, so um, it seems so and it also helps us uh, in the campaign uh, uh, offering basically a few different games and, um, and generally bringing the the average spending of each backer up a little bit as well, because most of them will uh, uh, see another project they like um, and, and and take it along.
2: I, I was trying to work out why we had an average that was higher than 11 yeah. euros. And that's okay. Now I understand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Well,
0: I'm going to try to dig a little bit deeper, go a little deeper in this submarine and see if we can talk about, look a bit closer at the campaign. And I try to ask some harder questions that maybe some of our backers have. You guys ready? Sure, sure. Yep. Okay. I am going to throw this one at Ian first off. So, Ian, this is your first published design. Is that correct? Yeah. So, Lots of times backers are very hesitant to back games of first-time designers because you know, they don't have a pedigree to look at, so they don't know exactly what they're getting. Why should backers trust you and that you're going to deliver a quality experience with Arctic Roll?
2: I, I think getting a game published, you know, they say it's 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. But yeah. I think you can add to that 20% serendipity. <laughs> you know, I, I've been playtesting now, you know, since lockdown, I've been playtesting online with an international community of designers and have literally playtested hundreds of games with hundreds of different designers. And some of them are brilliant. But they haven't <laughs> been published. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 you know, some of the brilliant games still haven't been published. Yeah. And, you know, we've all played published games that we question you know, how, what, what were they thinking? And so I, 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 one of the things as a designer I decided very early on was I, I think I've got a better chance at, if my, if my game deserves publication, I've got a better chance of successfully pitching it to a publisher than of knowing which of the various games I am working on is worthy of publication. And so, you know, in a sense, the validation for me was the fact that Martin bought into it. You know he liked the game. I mean, you know, I pitched it around. I showed it to a lot of uh, publishers. A lot of them were sort of interested. None of them, you know, Martin was the first person to to actually say yes. He was, you know, he wanted to publish it. Um, but others, you know, liked the novel concept. They liked the idea of having multiple, you know, multiple players on a shingle sheet of paper. But ultimately, you're not buying into me. You're buying into Rolling Rhino. You know, do they have a pedigree of producing interesting novel? Fun roll and write games, uh, and if they do, there's no reason to think that this one won't be any different.
0: So, going off of that, then Martin, what lots of times, especially nowadays, lots of backers look to the relationship between a publisher and a designer. So, what made you trust Ian enough to sign one of his games to sign Arctic Roll?
1: Of course, it's uh, we, we, it's it, I mean, I live in the Netherlands, he lives in the UK, so it's it's online that we've been um, chatting um and of course with any collaboration it's just a matter of trust uh y- even though you ma- you make a contract and you make uh, uh, decisions um but uh, in, in it's just uh, in, in first instance it's a matter of trust and a matter of well we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll give this a try together so that was also for me just it's it's for me the first time i am not the designer so uh it's also uh it has also been very uh, interesting and um uh, taking on a different role um and it has been great um ian uh, was great uh in in uh taking on the feedback and even though i mean it's 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 his baby of course he's then uh, giving uh giving away um and so a designer also has to be able to uh, uh let loose and um yeah some some things will change even though the core of the game never changed because it it, it was a very good core solid foundation to work with so that's also that's also just great uh, as a developer if you have uh, something solid already um to just uh, then uh, dive into the details
2: i i think there's plenty of points where the relationship could have broken down without it being a major risk you know if if during development or during our conversations or during your know, you know times where we were playtesting together or deciding whether or not we wanted to go this way or that way with yeah. the design there were plenty of opportunities to say, you know what, your vision isn't the same as my vision. I think one of the things that I love as, a, as, a, as the designer about the, the way that we're releasing the game is we're not tied to what we put in the box the first time round because it's essentially a digital product. Actually, the cost of adding another map to this is relatively low. And there's no reason to think that if there's a demand from backers or a demand from players, that we won't be able to produce more maps. And so all of the mechanics that we've removed because actually you know, Martin's vision for the game was to have something that was going to be simple and easy to play for your gateway, gateway plus. All of the things that add complexity, I haven't had to cut out completely. They were all there, sat on the ice shelf, waiting to, uh, waiting for... The right map to to sort of ramp up and add you know and, and add something to the game in you know in the future. So that's one of the advantages of these five dollar
0: rolling rights, right? These this these one page Absolutely. games you can iterate, you can expand, you can improve. But something I hear from people who may not, I think they're wrong, but I want to ask the question anyway. What gives? Why should they spend five dollars on this? Like when people, especially some people in the print and play community, think all print and play should be free. I mean yeah. I we'll, we'll go into that a little bit but why should backers spend 5 dollars on something that come that's not it's not these fancy miniatures it's not printed on card stock and not you know shipping from China how come I shouldn't how come we shouldn't go and spend 5 dollars on something from like Gregs or McDonald's and you know how, what's, the, what's the value in it? Maybe we could
2: have called it sausage roll. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. Yeah.
0: No,
1: I, I get that, uh, uh, Josh. Um, and, and well, w- uh, the biggest expense is, of course, uh, art. Uh, I think that goes for most of the companies that do this uh, kind of project. And, and uh, one of the other challenges is, um, even though uh, like um, in percentages, your margins might be good, um because it's just a few dollars Uh, like um i I cannot there's uh, so so little you can do uh let's say if i want to do facebook ads and it costs me seven euros to get uh or dollars uh whatever to get uh to get someone in and become a backer um that's not worth it or even if that's a uh, three dollars so you, you have just very um little playing area also as the, as the publisher, basically just because it's a a small amount. So we have to do a lot of uh, organically and uh, try to keep our expenses very low. So yeah, we try this. Of course you want good art. You want your uh, reviewers and there are some other expenses, but besides that, you try to keep it as low as possible. So that's very different from maybe bigger campaigns where they do indeed these miniatures and and, uh, go all in. They, they need a lot of money. They also, put in a lot of uh, money and a lot of funds um, to make it there. Um, and that's just not possible with uh, print-and-play because you have this very small uh, um, amount. Um, so and, and in the end, it's also just, I mean, if people don't want to pay $5, I mean, that's that's also, of course, all right. There are a lot of free print-and-play games, so um, no, no worries. And, yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I think one of the things I would add is, you know, when I was playtesting the game, quite often people would say, you know what, we could actually put pieces in, you could have a board and actually you could make it into a big box game. And, you know, one of the first meetings we had, you know, Martin and myself, was we were talking about how do we remove the, the very few components that I did have in this role and write. So that it could literally just be on a piece of paper and people provide their own dice. And that's why we put the drafting track on the map itself rather than as a separate component. But the point is, you potentially have a big box experience, but you're just able to print it at home. Um, you're not paying for ship your know, manufacture, you're not paying to have it shipped from China. What you are paying for is for you know the time and, and effort and I suppose, you know, love that's gone into you know, producing the game and then the artwork. And, you know, we, we, we'd we love backers to support it. Um, but, you know, it, it's, I think the other thing is the fact that you just get it so quickly. You know, within a week or two of the end of the campaign, it'll be delivered. There really isn't a risk. You know, I think a lot of people are jaded by the whole Kickstarter. Um, you know, big box, massive, you know, lo- tons of miniatures, but it's always a bit of a roll the dice, isn't it? Are we going to see this game? <laughs> is it going to be this year? Is it going to be next year? Is it going yeah. to be never? You know, Arctic Roll is essentially you know ready to go. We've still got to do a little bit of tweaking on the rule set, uh, made primarily in formatting, but you know, within a week or two of the campaign finishing, you'll have a game. I think the other great thing about uh, the roll and write format is actually you can give it away. You know, if you print an extra couple of sheets and play it with your family just leave them with the sheets. You haven't got to worry about, you know, if you don't ever get it back. Um, I think there's a lot of value for money. And if you think in terms of, you know, I know the games I play most frequently with my game group are the shorter, cheaper filler games that we play while we wait for someone to turn, you know, while we wait for the rest of the people to turn up. Yeah. Arctic Roll fits nicely in that space. And I can pretty much guarantee that in terms of, you know, Dollar per minute played, Arctic Roll will held up will hold up very yeah. nicely against some of these. Big I boxes. think that's
1: also why these kind of games are popular uh, because it's just you get a lot of worth for a few bucks. You get a lot of game, even though you don't get the physical components in a box, but you get a lot of game with good art, well play tested, everything you expect from a game. Um, and I think that uh, that's why this yeah print and play um, has been becoming uh, more popular because people see like, oh, these are great games and there are great experiences just here for a few bucks and I can print it at home.
2: Uh, and I absolutely guarantee that none of the backers are going to have to sell Arctic Roll-On because they haven't got the shop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, that is very much true. I mean, we got, you got you guys, there's like you guys and Roar games, no box games, there's, um, there's Postmark, all those other games. This is actually something I've considered doing as well as going into the one-sheet and right? Because I think it's, this is me being a more personal, I think it's actually going to become a, more, a bigger subgenre of gaming in the near future. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, it's not just going to be like, hey, we'll have companies who like, they just do these kind of games. There'll be companies that are dedicated to, hey, we just do these, like you guys, one-page rolling lights. Yeah. I think we'll see some other bigger companies maybe dipping their toe in that kind of aspect. Yeah. Or probably more in the medium-sized, but like it's definitely something I, I'm glad you guys are on the crest of going forward because I definitely see this progressing in the future. So I, go ahead. I,
2: I, I think there's a really strong argument for anyone starting out down the self-publishing route to make a a, a, a role, you know, a, not necessarily a roll and write, but a print at home, you know, digital download game as their first Kickstarter or first crowdfunding campaign. Because you learn so much from it, mm-hmm. and I, I, th- I just think it, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Obviously, you're not having to deal with the logistics, yeah. you know. And there's a pro- there is a, an element of learning about logistics and fulfillment that isn't covered by this. Yeah. But actually, yeah, I'd or, or even it, one step,
1: uh, step back. Just if you're getting into game design um, and um, you want to get something, something finished, maybe it's all ideas and some and uh, it's just great to sort of limit yourself to just these, uh, just a, a full paper and maybe a, a few dice and it really helps you it also really helps with with iterating because you have to it's if it's just one page you can very easily make adjustments print again and play test again so if you're starting out as a designer even regardless if you want to go kickstarter or, or whatever if you just want to learn the craft and prototype quickly it's um, it's very nice to start with something like a print play. And it also makes sure you won't get this bloated game with so many cards, so many dice. Uh It takes three hours for one playtest. And if you're an, uh, a new designer, um, there might be a lot to learn still. And then the, the three hours um, could be spent otherwise, perhaps.
2: I think the one disadvantage of a something like a like a roll and write is it's not brilliant for playtesting online. No. Yeah, We could do it, but it, it, it's not great. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's, yeah. It's, it's a struggle.
0: TTS is the best one to do yeah. it on. It's just like, okay, I'm going to slowly mark, and then you realize your your cursor is not the right length, and it marks the entire <laughs> yeah. page on an accident.
2: Yeah, yeah. no, there.
0: absolutely. Okay, well, we're running out of time here. We want to keep these relatively under 30 minutes. So if you want to leave your listeners, I'll let each of you, Martin, and Ian talk. If you want to leave the listeners is one thing, one thing you want to leave them about the campaign or about the game, whatever you want, Now's the time to do it.
2: You have the floor. Uh, okay. Um, I, th- I think you know, Martin touched on the draft. One of the, I think my favorite bit of the game is the way the, the drafting actually works. Um, you know, you're basically choosing a dice based on so many different factors that it's just a real sort of puzzly, difficult decision, um, which is where a lot of the depth is. You know, you're choosing what face you want to draw onto the map the ones you, you, you're basing on what dice are going to be left behind, which dice is going to be the shared dice that everyone's going to use, the bonuses associated with the dice, the dice that the opponents would want, but also the effect it has on turn order. And it just makes for a really deep decision when you're actually making that choice. Um, and then even in the solo mode, what we had to do was find a different way of presenting a similar challenge um, where, you know, you, you, if you can choose you know basically the solo mode although we call it the solo map you can play multiplayer everyone just has their own map um and there everyone has the same four dice three of them you can choose from one of them is fixed and that again i really like the way that ended up working um if you can you know it heavily incentivizes you to try and use every of the nine different bonuses associated with the dice if you can use all of them you know, that's a challenge in itself. But if you can do there's you know, bonus points for doing that. So I, overall, I really like how the draft has worked. So, I, yeah, Arctic Roll, game with an icy draft.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Ian is right. I think it's also really, as a solo game, also great. So if anyone out there who likes, uh, enjoys solo games, um, really check out the campaign. Um, my favorite part would be the dice placement. So the ways the dice work... Um, you, yeah, just check out the campaign if you want to learn more about that. And um, uh, feel free to reach out if anyone has any questions or uh, wants to know more about this. Ian, by the way, posted a designer diary on Board Game Geek, So if anyone wants to read more about uh, how he started design and what kind of decisions came up, uh, you can check that out as well.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for taking some time. I, I'm a backer of this project myself, listeners. So hopefully some of the things here today will help you make a decision if people want to back the project what does the project end when does the campaign actually end
1: the 20th of March, march
0: 20th of march so we still got some time well thank you so much for coming on guys as always my name is josh and i'm martin uh Ian, thanks very much guys and this has been the periscope